He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined today by a good buddy of mine. We have been doing this. We've been talking back and forth for a really, really long time now. He is one of your uh, most favorite guests that will appear on uh, my show and across the entire network. Matt Moore of the Action Network is hopping on with us. Thank you very much, Matt, for hopping on it during one of the more busy weeks of the season. Uh, how are you holding up heading, going into this trade deadline? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, got some sleep this morning, which is good because I was up the other night doing doing the the rounds and trying to figure out everything that I can hear going on. Uh, it's a nerve wracking time just because if you engage, if you do this long enough and you pick up enough, like you'll hear things. But it's trying to figure out what is real and then like mm -hmm. what has actually happened in like recently. Like for yeah. example. Uh, I reported like on Sunday that the Bucks that the the Celtics have two teams for Dennis Schroeder and it's the Bucks and the, and and the Bulls. Mm -hmm. And now on Sunday I got some I talked to some folks and they're like, "Oh, the the Bucks thing, that's that's dead. That 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 was that was a while back." And mm -hmm. I'm like, "Would have been nice to know yesterday." <laughs> but that's how it goes. Um an important reminder if you're dealing with trade rumors, always assume go in with the assumption that those talks are old because it takes a while for them to filter out. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. That like every time I've, I've spoken to, cause I'm not really interested in the reporting aspect of it. There's so many voices already in it that, you know, I hear things and I'll vent, I'll, 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 you know, convey the ones that I feel very confident about. But for the most part, I let the Woges yeah. now Jake Fisher's killing it. Yep. The Mark Stein, like yep. I'll, I'll let those guys handle that. Yep. Shams, obviously. And then, and then, you know, if, if, if you're confident in something, I'll usually say, huh, that's worth also storing in the back of my mind as well. But for the most part, like you're talking about when you hear things yep. more often than not, it's lying. Yep. <laughs> like, it, it is always an agenda. Like, <laughs> a lot of the writing that I do is built on the, the whole premise of, I'd rather explain to you why this is happening and what it means yeah. rather than try and be like, I've got the scoops. Yeah, this like is I, what's going to happen. Like, I'm not Woj. <laughs> Let's be real. I understand that. I'm not Shams or Haynes yeah. or Fisher. Like, it's fine. Yeah, Haynes is another good one. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I, it, it's better for me to put together the pieces and try and be like, hey, here's like the whole board. Like, to mm -hmm. me, it's just very interesting seeing what teams are like, we desperately want to get into the luxury tax. We want that sweet, sweet money from the tax. Yeah. And what teams are like, uh, the cap's going up this year, so we want more room for free agency because a free agency could be anything. It could be these guys that we're chasing only <laughs> on worse contracts. Ooh. Box that looks like a boat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I will. That I'm actually glad that we're kind of starting here. The the general theme of what we're going to get to eventually here with the Lakers is whether they will prioritize moving stuff from their roster um one person in particular mm -hmm. uh, if that is going to be their priority or if it will be adding to their roster in any way that they possibly can to try to make up for uh the guy who hasn't worked out so far this season 
Um, that's going to be what we get to. But one just kind of thing that I have noticed is all leading up to the the, the deadline and, and deadline week, uh, it was a lot of, oh, yeah, the prices on all these guys are astronomical. The, the, the prices on, on – I remember Cam Reddish was going to take, like, multiple picks and all these things too. And, and, and then Karis LeVert was another guy that I think uh, Mark Stein said that they were trying to get two first-rounders for him uh, but wound up not being able to. They got a expiring contract and a first, and they're going to send back a second-rounder for him. And, and uh, you know, just in general, I, I felt like the returns on some of these guys has not been overwhelming. And I kind of wonder if we have to redo some of the arithmetic on what various teams are capable of doing uh, should should they really want to push all in. This is basically me saying, hey, can the Lakers package of Taylor Horton Tucker of the 2027 first round pick and Kendrick Nunn, uh, can that possibly fetch them something more than we have thought it might fetch them to this point? I think it's possible. Uh, I think one of the things to keep in mind, um, you mentioned the Pacers deal. So you're like, well, they wanted two first for him. The way that that winds up working out is they got the Rockets second, which mm -hmm. that's like, that's going to be like at worst, like 34. Mm -hmm. Right. So you wind up with, you're like, and you can sell that, right. You can tell yourself like, well, okay, we didn't get two first for him. Yeah. But, but but we got a first rounder and and almost like if you if you squint that Rockets pick is like almost a first. Um, the other problem I think is from my perspective, the buyers don't have assets right now, mm -hmm. and so that I think lowers the price on some of this. Is that if you're looking to sell and you're like, I got to move this contract you know, he's going to expire or I got to get under the cap or uh, the tax, like whatever it is that, and these other teams just don't have it. Like Dallas is like an aggressive buyer. Mm -hmm. Like Dallas is like looking for upgrades, but everyone's like looking at Dallas and being like, uh, you don't have anything. And uh, Denver's another one where it's like Denver would love an upgrade. Denver badly needs bench upgrades. Mm -hmm. And but they know that they they're like like they're they, they come to the table and they're like look we have Jamichael Green at eight million and we have Baco Composo at two million and I got two point five on a disabled player exception and I have no picks yeah what would you like you know right. and, it's, and that's how you figure it out so yeah I I mean I think it's possible that if you get a team that's like hey we can but I think the other thing is you're not going to get like a premium upgrade I think that the days of the Laker premium upgrade for that kind of a package are gone because. Yeah. You, the picks right the picks are the problem and honestly if, if anything else like that might be like what the lakers should probably target is like try and move your guys to try and find any sort of available picks so that you can restock the cupboard because mm -hmm. like i've had a lot of questions and um i've had spec i've i've talked to other executives who are not involved in the cox speculatively about the nets where they're mm -hmm. like do the nets want ben simmons or do the Nets want to trade Ben Simmons to get the picks back that they had to send for Harden in case they had to go get an actual upgrade later? Yeah. So, like, that's the biggest thing. If you're in the Lakers position and you're contending right now and you're trying to win as many championships as possible, you got to get your picks back. So every conversation, I think, has to start with that, with we have to get draft compensation back to make up for what we've surrendered in various deals.
the issue is that the Lakers don't have anybody worth draft compensation. Like the, the issue is that, you know, all right. So if you're, if you're trying to use, you can't use THT's contract for both pick compensation and somebody who fits better than THT does currently. Uh, and none hasn't played so far this year. So we aren't going to get a pick back from him. And generally speaking, you know, unless the Lakers want to move Malik Monk for a first rounder, which I know they don't want to do. Right. Uh, that's the, that's the kind of vet men that usually fetches a, a pick. If you send one out is, is the, the veterans minimum guy who is vastly outplaying that contract. And another team has a better shot at maybe retaining that player, uh, this upcoming off season, than signing him outright in free agency. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you. They need to find a way to get more assets. It's just that they can't do both at the same time. They they needed they, THT to have a better season, yeah. right? Like if they were in this unfortunate spot, now if THT had had a better season, you might be like, well, we can't get rid of THT. Look at how good he's playing. Like this is always like the where it gets stuck is you have an asset that you can use to get draft compensation, but then you're like, well, we can't get rid of him. Look how good he is. And it's like, yeah, but that's the only reason that he's worth the first round pick. Like, you, uh, you know, he had to play yeah. well in order to get to the point where he's worth the, the pick you would get Especially back. after he got paid. You know, well, right. No, once no, no. he once he got paid, it's no longer. Hey, look at this upside. Look at this. Side. We you paid for the upside. The yeah. upside has been paid for, and the upside hasn't been met. Right. Um, getting back then to the the central kind of theme then is is seeing as we know that the Lakers uh, either have to try to upgrade or have to bring in some kind of assets for future upgrades. Um, you aren't going to get any assets in return for. Russell Westbrook, if anything, we've heard that Houston was expecting a first rounder to be able to swap him with John Wall, which again, like I keep going back to, is this the, uh, is this the market trying to dictate itself or is this, you know, something that the Lakers would actually have to do? We, I, we still haven't quite seen any real desperation. I don't think from the Lakers, like I've asked around and, and it doesn't sound like they're desperate to move the guy. Uh, but like, we also can't ignore what we saw on what was it Saturday night against the Knicks, where Lakers fans booed him, told him not to shoot, and and we're perfectly fine with him being benched. Like it's crazy, it's wild to see Matt, a local kid, future Hall of Famer, somebody who Kobe himself called an heir apparent, you know, to the to the mentality and the w- the way that he approached the game. It's crazy to see a Lakers fan base turn this unanimously on Russ. And I just don't know, like the premise of my show this morning, this, this lowdown this morning was, I don't know that that ever gets turned around because I, I, I don't know how it does. I don't think he's capable of playing well enough mm. to turn that narrative around that far. So do the Lakers get desperate enough to move the guy? I think time is on your side in one aspect, right? Um, Your clock's ticking with LeBron for sure. But I will say either you wait long enough and somebody gets desperate enough to be like, this could save my job. Like, Okay. Didn't work for them. (laughs) 
So the the literal conversation that the Lakers had with themselves this year, yeah. this this last offseason, it's going to be it's going to be a whole bunch of people having that same exact yeah, it's the same arrested exact development until look there there's always the possibility that Russ goes into an offseason and like does some soul searching and mm-hmm. actually comes out and is like I have to adjust my game. Like I just I have to change which he has not done year after year after year after year. And that's been counter to his ethos. Yeah. Like his whole, his whole mindset is I don't have to change. I'm going to break this with sheer will. Um, it's going well. Does, it's going really, really well. Yeah, Matt. Going well. Uh, <laughs> if he does get to the point where he like, you know, like honestly, um, a talk with Jason Kidd would do him a lot of good. Mm. To be like, you know, you had a really great end of your career. What did you do? And Jason be like, I shot. Like I just learned to shoot, mm-hmm. you know, and play um, defense. He, like he, he mm-hmm. turned into a fantastic on ball and team defender too. Yeah. He was always pretty good on that, but I thought good. he was always better than Russ, but yeah, but uh, I think so much of it is just that like Russ keeps wanting to make the same moves and expects the same stuff to be there. And I'm like, it's just not there anymore, man. Like you've had three knee surgeries. What, what, you know, you had to have seen this coming. And, and so there's always a chance that like he goes into an off season and kind of like really reexamines it and comes out on the other side and says like, Hey, I'm going to adjust. I'm going to adapt. Um, you know, he gets in, it gets, you know, into a gym and is just like, I'm just going to shoot, you know, 5,000 jumpers a day. And, and I'm just going to work on this part of my game entirely to get it to where it needs to go. And I'm going to stop taking shots off the dribble and only shoot spot ups. And, you know, he, he adapts. Um, at the same time, like they're like I said, there's you wait long enough, and there's probably a team that's like, well, but even then, like the return that you're going to get is going to be poor. So, yeah. what you really kind of want, honestly, if you're the Lakers, is um, you want a situation where there's a third team that's like, we got to get rid of X player. We're not going to sign him. We're not mm-hmm. keeping him. We'll take the leftovers from the team that'll take Russ will help with the draft compensation because we've got, we've got the yeah, enough assets to move it. And that's how it can work out. Okay. Otherwise, see. you know, if like, if you move them this summer, th- this year, if you, if you just like bite the bullet and they're like, you know what, we just gotta get, we just gotta be done. We just gotta like, we got no matter what it takes. Right. Um, do you think it's reached that point? Like, do you think, do you think they're close to that point if they haven't? Reached out. I never want to. I never want to say that it's absolute, just because I've seen Russ pull rabbits out of his hat mm-hmm. late in seasons. Yeah, and he's had some good games with the Lakers, and I think it's possible that like he could turn things around. Um, I just a lot of this to me is entirely about like what does LeBron want. That to me is the like, because that that's really what it gets into. It doesn't matter. Like, to be honest with you, like it doesn't matter what the Lakers want. It doesn't matter what the Lakers fans want. It doesn't matter what AD wants. It's does LeBron look at this and go, I can win a chime. I can win a title with Russ. We can do this. Or does LeBron look at this and go, Well, screw this up. Did you did and you hear his uh, comments after the Knicks game? I missed them. I was at a game. It was it was essentially basically like, Hey, we all got to. It was it was the the fit in. <laughs> or the, 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 was it the fit in or fit out? The thing that he it said was, about Kevin Love once upon yeah. a time. Fit out, don't fit in. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, uh, you know, 
we all got to do what we got to do. We got to do our job. We got to look ourselves in the mirror. We got to do what we have to do to make this work. Um, you know, and, and everybody listening to that knew exactly who he was talking to there. Um, and, and look like I look to AD's credit. Like, I think you and I were pretty harsh on him before the injury. It's been great. And he came back. He looks lighter. He looks, yep. he looks more explosive. He looks yep. like the kind of AD who can win a championship with LeBron. I didn't think that the version of AD that we saw before the injury was an AD who could win a championship with LeBron with this team. Yeah. I think, I think this version of him though, if this is who he is yep. going to be moving forward, absolutely. Yep. And I think that makes it all the more important for LeBron to do some soul searching in here and say, AD looks like that. We found money here in Malik Monk, found money here in, in Austin Reeves. Maybe just maybe Stanley Johnson is turning around his career here. Uh, maybe Trevor Ariza has something left in his legs after, you know, really toiling with, with his physical state uh, for most of the season. Maybe Kendrick Nunn can come back. Maybe all of these things can work out and you have a chance at making some incredible run. Um, but I don't think, I don't think you could do that with Russ being actively detrimental on the defensive side. Everybody always looks at like the turnovers and the mislayups and the shooting and all that. But for me, it's always the defense. It's that a $44 million guy, you can't expect him to just focus on a shooter in the corner. You just, you can't, it's not predictable at all on that side. And, and, and that's the part that I can't quite look past when you're talking but, about what the Lakers can do with him. I still think so much of that though, is just about his mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, I think again, I, I don't think he can change the season, but I, yeah. I the, like, this is the big thing with Russ is that, I don't believe that it's a skill thing or an ability thing. His abilities have definitely been eroded. It's about his approach. He's still, he used to be <laughs> long, ago, long ago in the before days. <clears throat> <laughs> he was actually a pretty good defender. Yeah. Like he had, he had in those early thunder, not even early thunder days in the mid thunder days, he, like, mm -hmm. he had stretches where, and then there was a year where he came in and he was just like, I don't have to care about this anymore. Mm -hmm. He was just like, I'm at this level. I play for the playoffs. I don't have to worry about this. And as you get older and you're no longer the star, most guys recommit on that side of the ball and they use what they've learned in their experience. And again, like this is the big thing is he's just, I don't know how to do it. I don't know who's, who's going to be able to do it. Cause I don't think LeBron can, I don't think any, like it's if, any, if LeBron couldn't, I don't know who does. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be just like, <laughs> It's got to be like Russ looks in the mirror one day and so, or somebody that he's really close to is like, dude, they booed you. Yeah. Like loudly, like the LA booed you. Yeah. It is time for a change, you know? Um, but he's prideful and that like a lot of athletes are like almost all athletes are. And that to me is like what, what handcuffs him from being able to, to make the changes that he needs to. Uh, I do think there's an opportunity where a team does get desperate to return to that. Whether, look, we went a long time where there was just like, hey, you know what? There's just not really any dumb teams anymore. Mm -hmm. And in like the late 2000s, there was a bunch of dumb teams. Like there was just a bunch of teams that would just make these trades where you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. 
And then like most of the 2010s were not like that. Most of the 2010s were pretty smart because the intensity and the coverage and just like a bunch of things added up together um, to make teams a little smarter. And then now we got, we got a few that are willing to make uh, bold decisions in the hopes <laughs> of shaking things up to maintain their job. So I think it's possible that they find a suitor that's just like, you know what? We're not going anywhere anyway. We'll do it. Yeah. You know, like it'll put, honestly, it's, it's owners that'll be like, look, we're not going anywhere anyway. Russell put butts in, butts in seats. Yeah. Might sell a few jerseys. Might sell some jerseys. Might sell some tickets, you know? And so I think so that, opportunity, <laughs> uh, so that opportunity, I think opens <laughs> that opportunity. I think does open up some possibility of, of that working out. What, what have you taken away from the Russ Lakers experience here? Like, who do you think learns more about the season? Do you think Russ learns more about himself? Or do you think the Lakers learn from like, hey, it's not just about stars. You do have to try to make something fit here. Fit does matter a little bit here. Because that was basically, from what I've heard, uh, the, 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 the basis of the move for Russ was like, uh, here's this, here's this, superstar at least you know fairly recent superstar he had a good stretch there in washington and and in and in houston once they uh traded capella you really saw him take off but the lakers had kind of convinced themselves that yeah here's this superstar lebron and ad being fellow superstars that's how a lot of stars basically kind of think about this thing is bring the most talented person in and we are going to make it work because the talent does not fail. Uh, but do you think do you think the Lakers will have learned from that? Do you think LeBron and Palinka, who was also in on it, from that's I, I've seen that in recent days too, or recent weeks, where like, oh well, you know, Palinka pushed super duper hard to bring to to make the Buddy Heel trade. No, 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 no. <laughs> like from what I've heard too, he was he was. Uh, not exactly fighting tooth and nail uh, on on uh, bringing in Russ or not bringing in Russ. So do you think the Lakers learn from this experience or do you think Russ learns from this experience? And who do you think it's more important for those to learn here? Russ could be at the end of his career and LeBron and, and the Lakers could waste the last couple prime LeBron years that we have with this mistake that they made. I don't think anybody learns anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a jerk about yeah. it. I don't. Like, uh, Russ is going to have to show me. And, like, I'm one of the last Russ guys on the planet. I think that he does take an, a disproportionate amount of blame. I think, but, like, I've talked about, he just won't, he will never have that look in the mirror and go, I can't jump the way I used to. I can't mm -hmm. move the way I used to. I have to play a smarter brand of basketball. He just wants to burst through the wall mm -hmm. and he can't understand why he can't. And if he does, he's just like, well, it didn't happen tonight, but it'll happen next, next time. In fairness, playing the way Rush used to be able to play seemed incredibly fun. Yeah. <laughs> like just to be able to be an Avenger at all times, yeah. it seems like it would have been really fun. It's funny. I was just talking to my parents about this um, last night, because like every conversation I have with my dad at this point turns into a podcast because dad, you could just subscribe. It's an option, <laughs> <laughs> but, but so Mike, I was, I was talking to dad and, and he was asking about the defense and I said, dad, he's this guy who used to be the most explosive athlete on the face of the planet. And 
uh, or at least in the NBA. And he used to be able to go for these steals and cover ground in ways that nobody else really could. And he would get to those steals. And now he's a step, half a step, step and a half sometimes late on those same steals he used to be able to get, those rebounds that he would soar to and be able to to climb over the top of the entire court to, to go out and grab. He can't do that anymore. And and it actually requires boxing out or positional uh, att- attentiveness, you know, all, all of these things that he just was able to just make up for by way of his athleticism. He just can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and like you're saying, he just, he's not aware of that. Yeah. And with LeBron, you know, this is, he's never prioritized fit ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like that Cavaliers team at the time. And I like, I'll, I'll still say this, like Shumper's out of the league. So it's Jr. But Shumper was out of the league sooner than Jr. Shumper was the better get in that deal. But LeBron liked Jr. Mm-hmm. And like Jr. had a fantastic 2016 season and helped them win a title. And Jr. Yeah. was always insanely talented. He had, always insanely talented. Yeah, and he had one good year, and they won a title because yeah. of Jr. Um, and then he obviously would have been pretty good in 2016, 17, but he got hurt, and then had a bunch of stuff with his daughter. But thankfully, she's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the whole thing: is like LeBron when they were making those moves that LeBron was definitely behind. Like it was never about like what they needed. It was never about like, hey, this is like what we like. We need to balance things. It was just like, no, 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 just give me more shooting. No, 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 just do this. Like I want this guy. Mm-hmm. So like I don't have any faith that LeBron's gonna look at it and, and look at fit. Um and that's kind of the interesting question, right? Is like I had, I thought I thought this yesterday was would Cupchak have done the Westbrook trade? And the answer is probably because LeBron would have been like, I want you to do this trade. Yeah, like are we factoring in the LeBron yeah, aspect of this? That's the question, is like you know under the old regime. Now, like under under Dr. Bus, maybe not. Because Bus was like stronger and empowered Cupjack and was like, yeah. no, 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 you can. Well, that was the value that that Magic had. Although I think Magic probably would have been pro Russ too. But like, yeah. Magic had the gravitas to be able to tell LeBron if they disagreed on something, or if LeBron in the front office disagreed on something. Magic, because he's Magic freaking Johnson, yeah. could have sat down and said, "No, we don't think this is what we need now." I don't know about his instincts. I, I think instinctually he would have said, no, go out and get the superstar point guard. Um, you know, I think that's what Magic would have preferred too. But like Polinka doesn't have that ability. And again, that's not to say that Polinka was fighting tooth and nail to say no to Russ because from what I have heard, he was also very much on the Russ train. It was a, it was a coin flip and then uh, they had the deal for heel done and Russ said, uh, no, I would like to be a Laker. LeBron said, Russ wants to be a Laker. And Polinka said, cool, let's go out and get the Kobe heir apparent guy. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of how that went down. Um, but no, I, I think to your point about, you know, LeBron and the pine, the power dynamic with every team that he has been on since Pat Riley, right. Um, since and before Pat Riley, uh, it, it has always been like, all right, LeBron has a whim we got to go make that whim happen. Yeah. And so I think the the question is becomes like, what does LeBron want? And LeBron will probably be like, go get Bradley Beal. And they'll be like, well, how, what, what? <laughs> Trade Russ for Beal. Yeah, ex- no? exactly. Just they'll, they'll do that. <laughs> you know, hell, maybe they will. You know, it's, maybe they will. 
Um, if they sign the Beal extension, and then you you trade Russ for Beal, and you have fewer years of the that that long contract, you turn yeah. Beal into an expiring. Maybe just maybe, Matt. Yeah. Maybe just maybe. Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, not gonna count it out because the Lakers have pulled a rabbit out of their uh, hats enough mm-hmm. times to to believe that they can do it again, right? That's always been the kind of standard, but I, I do think the better path would probably be to try and find a team that's like, look, you know, we want to reset. And the bet, honestly, I think the first step is you got to send him somewhere that he hates so much that he'll take a buyout. If we're, <laughs> if we're being here, <laughs> if we're being, if we're being like cold blood about it, like that yeah. to me is like maybe the, the way to go about it. If you really are just like, get rid of him at any cost, you got to find a team where they're just like, we could never get a guy like this. And they're just like, sure. We'll observe him in the, in the cap space. Sure. No yeah. problem. I will give you whatever. I keep going back to to OKC. Yeah, you know they have all that. They have thirty plus million in cap space, uh, and they have the draft capital to be able to be flexible elsewhere. If you send them like Presti, you know, like the the big question mark with the twenty twenty seven first rounder. I think it's it has the most upside of any of the assets that have been put on the table so far this season, yeah. because you're talking about a Lakers organization probably after LeBron yeah. when the Rambai are running things. And, and so like that is a pick that could be very high lottery. Yeah. And what you need, if you are trying to trade for that is the confidence that you're going to be in that spot to be able to take advantage of that upside. And, and you need to, you know, do your homework as to what are everybody's intentions after LeBron's next contract. And I think Presti like, Presti, Masai Ujiri also came to mind also like those GMs that just have lifelong unofficially lifelong contracts in their current positions. Uh, those are the kinds of executives that you try to, you know, convince. Yeah. 2027 first, it's a big one, you know? And, and, and I think the Lakers, like I, Presti's also smart. Like I'm not, I'm not breaking the universe here to anybody. He, he knows he's aware of this. Masai is, is just as aware of this. Yeah. Uh, those executives who have those lifelong contracts have them because they're really smart and know which gambles to make. And this seems like a very worthwhile gamble. If, if, even if it means taking on Russ or giving away a player who, you know, you're currently really high on who just doesn't fit your timeline. Kendrick Williams, come on down. Yeah. So, you know, I I think that that's possible. I could see that, especially from the perspective of even if Russ was like, well, I really don't want to finish my career on tanking team. Okay. So you'd probably be like, you know, that owner doesn't always balk at doing buyouts, which is Mm -hmm. surprising given their market and his MO. Like he, you know, they've done buyouts for guys. And I think if Russ was like, Hey, I'll, you know, we can knock a year off or whatever. Just, I just, I want to go chase a title ownership might take care of him yeah because they, they would probably be like well look we were gonna pay you anyway <laughs> so yeah we expected to be to have to pay that um even if that doesn't necessarily because that that to me is the only problem is russ is honestly mm, lakers fans will, will balk at this but russ is a little bit too good for what they are doing right like i've described it this way is um the thunder are trying to are trying to keep their team exactly at 60 degrees mm-hmm. no higher Right, any higher, you might be good. Gonna yeah. threaten that that lottery pick. No, 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 just here, competitive, 
well, good defense. He just stay right here. Yeah. And Russ can kind of fluctuate that and it can go up and it can go down. But um, he, I don't think that's the kind of thing he's like, I don't think he wants to get worse or better. He just yeah. I think where they are. I think with Russ, like it's, it's not a coincidence that his best games so far this year have taken place without LeBron probably. And without AD yeah. and, and, if he goes to a situation where he's just allowed to go out and he has the ball in his hands and he can make whatever decisions he makes with however much confidence, like right now it's really weird to see an, a not confident Russ. That has been the wild thing to me is that you watch him play that play where the Lakers were telling or Lakers fans were telling him not to shoot. He hesitated. He heard that. And he was like, Oh, I got to shoot. And, and he just, you see him out there just kind of going through his steps and it's just, it's just brutal to watch. Um, let's, let's end on two more things then one prediction for, for the Lakers, whether it's based on your instincts or whatever whispers that you're hearing. And then we got to play our, our game of most embarrassing sports moment. So what's your prediction on, on what the Lakers do here in the next few days? Uh, I'm not trolling you. I swear to God, I'm not trolling you. I want to start with this. Like, I swear to God, I have heard from multiple people that they're shopping for a five. Um, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Like Dwight it, can't it, really play. And now, he's not very popular, I don't yeah. think, within the Lakers. Now I'll, I'll say this. Um, everyone's looking for a five. Mm-hmm. Like I have eight teams that are, are actively looking for a backup center, including teams that have a starting center that they're also looking to trade. Like the Spurs are literally out there being <laughs> like, Hey, you got backup center? And they're like, Don't you have Jakob Pertle? And they're like, Well, we're looking to move him. <laughs> um Yeah. So it's weird. So I, I think that probably the, the biggest thing is like they make like a small move on the perimeter, just, just on the peripheral. I mean, it's just like on the edge, um, whether it's a backup center, or another wing, some sort of small move, hope for the buyout market. I think it's, <laughs> I do look at some of the dynamics of the teams that might get desperate in the next couple of days and mm-hmm. think that there's something bigger on the horizon, but I haven't heard anything. So I'll say that they'll do, um, you know, THT will be somewhere else and they'll make a small move and then just be like, okay, here we go. We'll <laughs> make the best of this and figure it out from there and hope that, you know, it becomes a, a wonderful narrative in the back half of the season. Are centers becoming like running backs in the NFL? A little bit. That's a good comparison. Where like, um, you know, you it's want, like, what you, you, want. you don't want to put too much resources mm-hmm. to that position unless it's an absolutely elite one. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then after that, you can just kind of plug and play. Well, not only that, but it's it's it, it, for a while there, it was like they're they're irrelevant. Nobody needs them, right? Because you like just go small, and it, it's changed now. Where it's no, no, you need like different types of bigs. You need like, hey, we got to be able to run drop versus this team and just contain the rim and just like get some offensive re- and control rebounds. But then there's other situations where it's like, no, no, I need like a mobile five that can spread the floor and switch. You have to have like both options. Like that's really like. And this is ironically like the Lakers should be awesome at this. They should be able to, to solve any defensive problem that they're faced with. Um, but that's like the really the key is you want that flexibility. That's why the, the, all of the bigs that are being looked at are the same kind of guys where it's like you can ask them to do multiple things. The one dimensional centers are the ones nobody wants. But if you're multidimensional, that's what everybody's <laughs> looking for. Yeah. Much like running backs, right? You don't want the guy who just slams the ball three yards at a time up the middle. You would like that running back to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield too. And also sometimes be able to block and yeah. 
All right, let's uh, let's wrap up here. Let's have a little bit of fun. Uh, as everybody knows, the reason that I play this game with with uh, guests on my show is not just to ensure that they never come back on my show, but also to uh, to try to even out the scales here because Harrison keeps killing me. Harrison has now sixty thousand followers on Twitter, and he always fires off that damn video to all, every single one of them every chance that he gets. And uh, I need to try to even out the scales here with with everybody else's embarrassing moments. So, Matt, uh, do you have an embarrassing sports moment that comes to mind? I have, I have I'm going to hit you with a rapid fire couple. Um, in third grade, I was playing kickball and I sucked at kickball because I never had the coordination in my legs. And so I finally get a hit. I finally get a hit and I ratchet this thing off down the line. But they're yelling about whether it's foul or not. They're arguing. They're like, no, 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 it's fair, fair. No, no, it's foul. It's foul, foul. And I turn around. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like what? Should I stop running? And then I turn around and I smack my face into uh, the basketball pole, which was first base, and lose a tooth. And Wait. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I never, I never got another hit again. Uh, the second one was in uh, eighth grade football. I uh, was doing ble- – we were doing off-season bleachers. And it was one of those mornings in Arkansas in the spring where it was cold overnight and starts to warm up rapidly. So there's a, a large amount of dew on the bleachers. Oh no! And so I, I planted really hard going up one of the bleachers and I slipped and I went completely horizontal and I slammed headfirst into a bleacher and like laid there. And a friend of mine like comes over and is like, get up. Like, we're, we're, you can't quit more. Like we've got to go or we're going to have to do more. Like he's like mad at me. He, yeah. he turns me over and there's this gigantic knot and he reacts like an alien that's just burst out of my chest. <laughs> so like I walk, I stumble down the stairs and yeah. I'm walking across the field and the coach comes out like just livid. Like he's yeah. just like screaming more. Well, Cause that's what, that's what coaches did back then. Yeah. More. I've had it. How dare you get hurt on my time? No, he didn't even realize it because he's too far away. He's like, oh. I've had it with your quitting. You are the softest, blah, blah, blah. And he stops halfway. He's like, tilts his head. <laughs> Do you have two heads? And then he walks up. He's like, oh, God. Okay, Matt, are you okay? Can you see me? Um, and then the third one. <laughs> Could you see him? Uh, yeah, just barely. I had a concussion <laughs> and was out for a week. Um, uh, and then the uh, last one, um, basketball in high school. Uh, I made a late rotation and a guy, this is in uh pickup, a guy I turned and a guy plants his foot into my stomach and uses me to leap off of me huh. for a finger roll and <laughs> everyone just died. And I like, I will continue to this day. Like that's a charge. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not foul. I was outside of the circle, but. Uh, did you like, did you, did you do the full, like. We're going the other way. Did you try to call a foul in that moment? Like, uh, you... No, I lay there clutching my stomach and <laughs> hiding as everyone like ran around me to laugh as if it was a, a video of something getting burned. So. I'm picturing like like Lola Bunny with the Charles Barkley monster, right? Yeah. Where she yeah. like planted and it's mm-hmm. just... Yeah. <laughs> was it Lola Bunny? Were you in monster? <laughs> was it Lola Bunny? <laughs> no, it was not. Well, thank you very much for humoring me there and uh, and for hopping on during this crazy busy time. Anything that you want to plug before we get up out of here? Yeah, download the Action Network app. If you're trying to track scores, it's the fastest way for you to do that. I've got uh, lots of trade stuff up. I've got two articles out right now. We'll have more before the deadline. Uh, if you enjoy the betting, you should download it. It's the best way for you to track your picks and keep track of everything and uh, follow futures and all that. So check it out on the Action Network app and you can check out our podcast buckets wherever you find podcasts.
Yeah, you guys, uh, I have really enjoyed the coverage over there. Um, it's been really, really fun. Uh, I, I may or may not, I'm in Texas, so I probably shouldn't admit to a federal crime. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have friends who do, um, and, and I tell them about your guys' coverage all the time. So, uh, that is again at the action network. That was Matt Moore. I am Anthony Irwin. I'm going to dip just another heads up. So we're still working on the concepts for, uh, the trade trade deadline, uh, coverage on that specific day. We just got some uh, clearance for a couple cool projects that I think we're going to be uh, getting off the ground before then. Anything specific happens with the Lakers, I will be recording uh, emergency lowdowns for you guys, and it'll all be covered also clearly at the uh, com website. Until next week, I'm Anthony Irwin, and this has been the Anthony Irwin Show. <laughs>